Welcome to the Mind Matters Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Neil Sandlin. I am a pastor at Calvary Hill Baptist Church, and I'm here with my brother in Christ, David Adamson. David, what's going on, brother? Hey, man. It's been a while. It has been a, good. It has been a minute, for sure. <laughs> um, and, and I kind of wanted to, you know, we this is a podcast where we really want to focus on loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, mm-hmm. and it is that mental health that this podcast is designed to help, helping us and the, our listeners love God with all of their mind. And, and what does that look like? And so that's the, the design of this podcast. It's why we have this podcast. And um, we did five or six episodes in our first season, and then a big break happened. So I, I kind of want to adri- want to address real quick why that break happened. If uh, I, I'm a part of another podcast called the Outsiders Podcast, it's a podcast on race, justice, and Jesus, and we took a big, massive break as uh, with that as well. And uh, the reason for that is really my kind of fell my direction. Uh, my daughter. Eden had just turned 11 years old in April, and we celebrated her birthday on a Saturday, and that Monday, she was not feeling well. We thought maybe she had a UTI. She was dealing with some urinary uh, tract issues. We thought she goes in, and we find out she's a type 1 diabetic, and her numbers were off the charts. That was not something that was on our radar. It's not something we had planned. It was completely out of the blue for us, as it, as it is for any parents that um, their children get type 1 diabetes. It's, it's not on your radar. You're not p- putting the symptoms together to kind of come up with that conclusion. And so we were just completely taken off guard. Um, and if you know anything about diabetes in general, and especially type 1 diabetes, there is so much education that has to go on. And so what I have been struggling with over these last six months is the education that has to go on so I know how to help my child and helping Eden understand and learn her disease and, and what she has to do to take care of her health, but also just the, the emotional aspect of this. Um, for those of you that know, my struggle is anxiety and my triggers for my anxiety or when my kids get sick. If my if something's going on with my kids' health, that is a trigger for me. And so you can imagine how difficult my battle with anxiety got when I find out that my daughter has type 1 diabetes and I'm like, how do I treat her? How do, I, how do we keep right. her healthy? How do we not go to the hospital all the time? How do we, you right. know, all these crazy thoughts go through my mind. And so I was wrestling with the reality of all of that and then battling my anxiety as well. And uh, it has been about six months, and and I can honestly say the Lord has been very faithful to us. Um, he has really made Eden uh, in such a way that she can handle something like this. Mm. Uh, I think she handles it better than I do. Um, <laughs> but it has been truly a blessing to see the Lord's faithfulness in all of this. And um, just really excited for what God is going to do and how God is going to use Eden with all of this. Um, we've already seen God's hand and him be able to get the glory through some situations, even at school. And, uh, and, and so that's really why the break has happened. Why we didn't just keep going, putting one out every month or two every month is because, um, 
I kind of had to shut down all of the the extra stuff, right? So I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. pastor, so all the church stuff had to keep continuing, but some of these extra things kind of had to get pushed to the side so that I could really focus in on taking care of, of my family. And so uh, I just want to thank David for your patience with that and, sure. um, and the audience as well. But we are back, and yes. we are excited about being back. Yes. And... Um, the thing that we were going to do at the end of last season or, or continuing last season is we were going to talk about depression next. And, uh, and so we have moved that to today. And so now on this episode, we are going to talk about depression. What is depression? Mm-hmm. How do people who love Jesus in the Bible handle depression? And uh, then we're going to hear a testimony from David, um, who has dealt with depression for years now, and the things he has learned and the battles that he has had. And, and hopefully this will be an episode that if you yourself are struggling with depression, you may find some hope and some yeah. some help here. Uh, and if not, maybe you are one of those who can provide help and hope for other people right. uh, in your life as they battle depression. So this is um, the Mind Matters podcast, and this episode is depression. Let's do it. So I think it's important to start out talking about and defining what is depression. Yeah, because so many people are confused about it. Yeah, yeah. There seems to be a lot of confusion out there on what depression actually is. Yep. Many think it's just a way to describe a person being sad, right? Yeah. But it's much more than that, and it can cause multiple issues. Mm-hmm. It can affect your mood. It, uh, you can lose interest in things you once loved. You become numb to your feelings. Uh, you can feel lonely in a room even full of friends. Right. Uh, it can make you tired or struggle with concentration and even decision making. And it could also affect your appetite and sleep. It takes mm. captive of your brain and causes you to not act like yourself, but instead as someone who's lost hope in life. Mm. And another thing we sometimes get confused is the difference between momentary sadness and clinical depression. Right. Yeah. So momentary sadness is when you've lost something you've loved or experiencing a disappointment in life that's making you sad. This is a moment of depression that is a normal response to a sad event. Yeah. I I sometimes um, have heard it referred to as like circumstantial depression. Right. Usually you can point to something in your circumstances that has caused this sadness and depression. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But it is not clinical depression. Right. So clinical depression is something you experience fairly consistently because the chemicals in your brain are off. Mm -hmm. They're not balanced. Doesn't mean you're never happy necessarily, although sometimes that's the case if it's serious, but it's something that sticks with you even when you're enjoying yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like having your own personal rain cloud above you that isn't allowing you to feel complete joy from the sun. Yeah, I've heard people actually... um talk about when their depression comes mm-hmm. and and use that exact analogy yeah. that I felt like this dark cloud just rolled in over everything yeah. in my life. Absolutely. That is that is a common way for people um, with clinical depression, how they've described it before. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, many Christians have asked me if I believe depression is a spiritual issue or a physical mm-hmm. issue. And I think it's both. Yeah. Yes, I believe science is correct in saying there's a chemical imbalance in the brain causing symptoms of depression and that there's even a genetic trait of it that can be passed down from generation to generation. I believe that's within my family. But I also believe a very important element is a spiritual battle going on. So, okay, so I get the the chemical nature of it. When you Mm -hmm. say a spiritual battle going on, what... Where does the spiritual aspect come into it if it's a 
chemical issue. Yeah, so what, what the way I would look at it is wouldn't it be like the enemy to observe that someone struggles with depression uh, and then just make matters worse by trying to influence a Christian to go deeper into their depressing gotcha. thoughts okay. or try and keep them from doing what's good for them. So it's like it's like the enemy that uh, the devil sees this chemical depression mm-hmm. that's happening and say okay, here's a weak you know, a Christian who's in a weak state right now. Right. Let me now add this other element of attack on them. Exactly. Exactly. And I can give an example. For instance, when my depression is really bad, I get very tired and I don't feel like doing anything at all. And if I have a moment to myself, what would be good for me is to spend some time in the word and prayer or just go for a walk or something. But instead, something is telling me I'm tired and I should just sleep or sit here and do nothing and get lost in my thoughts or binge watch a show, something like that. Mm -hmm. But then I end up wasting time. And when I do that, I get upset because I hate wasting time. So I have to actively fight those thoughts, which I believe are at least sometimes from the enemy and instead do what's good for me. Okay. Yeah. So that, yeah. So it's, it's almost like the devil, he's a roaring lion, you know, right? Mm -hmm. Looking for whom he can devour. And usually what lions do is they look for some kind of, you know, weakness that they see in, right. in the prey, right? right? They're not going to go after the strongest of, the, of their prey. They're going to go after the, the one that's struggling, the one that may already be injured or the one that's lagging behind. And so when the devil sees someone battling clim- clinical depression, mm-hmm. this, is, this is one that's in a weak state right now. Right. And let me pray on this person. Absolutely. And make it worse. Yeah. So really, I believe both elements hit someone who struggle with depression. And so you can imagine how difficult this makes things. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I, th- I think that's also important to note is, and I'm speaking as someone who struggles with depression, is that I have to be careful to not let depression become my crutch. Hmm. Okay. So meaning depression is a real struggle, but if I'm not careful... I will stop fighting it and just tell myself, you know, I'm just too depressed to fight it today. But no, I, I can't I can't think that way. I right. have to keep actively fighting it. I need to make sure that I'm actually struggling and not just giving in. Right. Believe me, I know that that's hard to do, but I can't give up and let depression just win without a fight. So, yeah, I've seen I've, I've actually counseled people here at the church who um, have said I, I have clinical depression. Mm-hmm. And then they use that clinical depression. I don't. I don't know. Almost not an not an excuse. That's not probably not the right word. But for lack of a better word, as an excuse to not be a part of spiritual warfare. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. it's almost like I throw up my hands. I've got this mental illness, so I throw up my hands and I don't. I don't have to fight. Right. Right. I got exactly. this excuse not to fight. Exactly. Yeah. And so we, you got to be careful with that. I, right. I have to be careful with that. And is that kind of what, that's what you mean when you say crutch, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Just, just letting it be my crutch. I have to be careful to not let that happen. Right. It's a real yeah. struggle for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there are many elements of depression that I haven't mentioned here, but those are the, th- the things that I wanted to discuss. And uh, what I, what I want to do next, David, before you get into your testimony mm-hmm. um, with depression. I, I want us to go to scripture and I want us to to talk about what what does the Bible say about about depression or or how have people in scripture dealt with depression. So as I said, we 
we want to turn to scripture next. And one of the things that that I think, one of the mistakes I think we make about characters in the Bible is we almost see them as detached from people like us. Right. So we either see them as um, just some fictional person or there's some superhero that never right. struggled with anything. Right. And we kind of... Um, don't look at them as real people who had real struggles mm-hmm. and real battles. And mm-hmm. I think I could argue, and I, I don't, there's no way of knowing whether clinical depression was an issue here, right? right? We can't go back and diagnose someone in scripture. Right. But I do think we can look at scripture and see people that we could characterize as struggling with depression. Yeah. I, I think it's right to say that Job struggled with depression. Absolutely. I think it's right to say that. Uh, King David struggled with depression. Mm-hmm. That that Jeremiah, when Jeremiah had to um, tell Israel, "Listen, here's the sins you've committed. Mm-hmm. Here's the judgment that's coming. We're going to go into Babylonian mm-hmm. captivity." I mean, he wrote a whole book called Lamentations, yeah. where he's lamenting. Right? He gets the nickname the Weeping Prophet. Right. Um, I, I think we could probably even go and talk about Jesus. I think there were times in Jesus' mm-hmm. ministry where depression was a part of his struggle. Yeah. Um, whether it's him thinking, you know, feeling like the father has forsaken him on the cross or, mm. or, um, drops of blood, sweating drops of blood in the garden, yeah. or, um, when he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and he's mm. fasting and he's praying. And I, I think we can, um, we can look at all of these situations. We, we can look at the apostle Paul when he says, I'm perplexed, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm downtrodden. Um, I think there are times where he struggled with depression mm-hmm. and, but what I want to do is I want to go to the guy that was probably the most vocal about it, right? And that mm-hmm. was King David. Yeah, absolutely. David was probably the most vocal about his depression. Yeah. He didn't use the word depression, but I, I think it's obvious when you read through the Psalms, which is where you pour your hearts out, where you, you know, mm-hmm. you're writing a song, you pour your heart out anyway. I think yeah. it's there that we can see um, the depths of David's struggle. And, and Psalm 42, I think what I want to do here is, is I want to take Psalm 42 and I want us just to go verse by verse, right? There's 11 verses in it. And I want us to go verse by verse and just kind of look at what David was dealing with and how it relates to depression. Mm. And, and then I want to kind of step back and say, how did David really deal with this and kind of give four or five things to think okay. about? So Psalm chapter 42 uh, if you're at home and you're listening to this, you're please get your Bible out and, and look at it with us. If you're driving, please don't get your Bible out and look at this with us. Um, I, I will read the verses for us so we don't have to do that. But in verse 1 of Psalm 42, David says this, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. When you are depressed, and I think David understood this, when David felt the way David felt, he understood, I need God as much as I need water. Yeah. I need God as much as I need air. Right. Um, when you're depressed, there is this sense for a Christian of how desperately they need God. Yes. Sometimes you find God. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in order to find God, you have to push like a deer has to push his way through the bushes, climb over steep hill, hills, mm-hmm. jump over trees, descends in, into ravines, do mm-hmm. anything and everything to get to that water. Right. And I think when we're struggling and battling with depression, you've already touched on it and hinted at it. When, when people are battling depression, it is so important that you, you do anything and everything to keep fighting in your relationship with God. Right. That he is 
the source that you have to get to. Yes. And you got to do whatever you got to do to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think David realizes that. And he says in verse two, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then he makes this statement. When shall I come and appear before God? And I think interpretively, I think David is saying, I thirst for you. Mm -hmm. I'm longing after you, but I don't feel like I'm finding you. Yeah. I think that's what he means when he says, when shall I come and appear before God? He's Mm -hmm. questioning, why am I going through this? And more importantly, why do I not feel like you're listening or answering me? Right. And I think when we are going through depression, whether it is circumstantial depression or clinical depression, I think there are going to be times where we feel like God isn't close. Yeah. That we're going after him, but God, how come you're not answering me? Right. How come you're not there for me? We're we're wrestling with this, with not feeling like he's working, not feeling like he's there for us, even though we may know that's not the case. Those certainly our feelings um, reveal that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where David has, David is right now. And, and David says in verse three, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Mm-hmm. When you are depressed, you cry a lot. Yeah. Um, a lot day and night. Um, I have counselors say that anxiety is worst in the morning. Depression is worse at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly why that is. Um, there are some reasons for it, but, um, but certainly David is feeling here now, like all day long, this depression is with me, right? It's with me when I wake up. It's with me when I try to go to sleep. Like it's with me all the time. Mm. And Christians are supposed to have this peace and joy, right? Like right. you're supposed to not feel this way, but David didn't, mm. um, David certainly was wondering, God, where are you? Mm-hmm. I don't feel this joy. Mm-hmm. I don't feel this happiness. And other people are watching me and they're saying, well, David, I thought you were a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. Like, where, where's your relationship with God right now? Why, yeah. why are you this way? And that's going to happen with people that are, that are battling depression. When, when mm-hmm. we're depressed, people are going to look at us and say, well, why are you that way? I thought, I thought you loved Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I thought you're supposed to have joy and happiness. Um, and I, I've even felt that with spiritual warfare that we'll, we'll talk more about later. But uh, just having these voices in my head yeah. asking those questions. I, wait, I thought you were a man after God. Like, yeah. I thought you were a believer. So, you know, what, what's going on? Why, why, you might, maybe you're not a believer. You yeah. know, you start you, thinking those thoughts. You, you start questioning your own walk with God. Absolutely. It's not just that other people are like, oh man, I thought that person loves Jesus. Why are they right. so sad? You start questioning that mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so you, you might hide behind smiles and denials. Um, but the truth is, is that David, we are told is a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. But he does not feel right now um, like a man after God's own heart. Right. But one thing that David never gives up, mm. he doesn't give up. And when when depression hits us as Christians, we have to come to that same resiliency. Like, I'm not going to give up. Absolutely. I know this is how I feel, but I'm not going to give up. 
Yeah. Um, verse four, David continues, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and I would lead them in procession to the house of God with loud shouts and songs of praise and a multitude keeping festival. It is so important for people when they're depressed to not get isolated. Yes. To, to not separate yourself from everybody else mm-hmm. and just be by yourself, right? That, that's right. part of the struggle with mental illness. Mental illness wants to isolate you. Absolutely. Right? And there's so much more danger that comes with isolation. It helps to pour everything out. Mm-hmm. To pour everything out to God, to pour everything out to people. Mm-hmm. David says, I pour out my soul. Yeah. David is not just going to bottle all this up. Right. Right. Um, Now he's doing it through a song. You may not want to write a song about it. You just may want to go to somebody and just pour it all out. Right. Mm -hmm. You may just want to take it to God and pour it all out. But that's what David is doing here. He he's pouring everything out and he's remembering that there are people in his life Hmm. who have worshiped with him and love him. And he's not supposed to be by himself. And I I would just say this. If you're battling depression, you're not going to feel like going to church. Right. You're just, you're just not. No, you're not. Go to church anyway. Yes. Go to church and be with people who love you and love the Lord. And you may not be filled with your own joy and praise. Listen to other people hmm. praise. Hmm. Listen to other people's joys. Stay with those people. Um, it is so vastly important to hmm. do that. And then David says in verse 5, uh, he does this in the middle of the psalm, and he's going to do it again at the end. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation. There's a lot of times people even don't even know why they're sad. Yeah. Circumstantial, you do. You can point to it and say, here's why I'm sad. Sure. Clinical depression, you don't even know why you're sad. No. Um, it has come upon you and you don't have an understandable reason why it's come on you. Right. So what do you do in those circumstances? What do you do when you don't know why you're sad? Well, David says, I hope in God. Yeah. I praise him for my help. Even if the help's not there yet, I praise him for what he's going to do for mm. me. He is my salvation, even though I, right this very moment, I don't feel saved. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. he, and it's okay that you don't feel like that in the moment. Mm. Praise him in faith for what he will do for you. Mm. There is such power in praise. Praise brings us um, into the presence of God. Yeah. And there's so much power there. And, and I, I, I want to stop right here after this halfway point. We're halfway through the psalm. David does something that is so, it's so typical and important and normal for people that are in depression. Here's how you feel. Here's what you know. Just because you know it doesn't change the way you feel. Mm. So you may say, here's how I feel, but God, I'm going to hope in you. God, you're my salvation. God, I'm going to praise you. And I still feel this way. Yeah. And then you go back to praising God again. So it's this back and forth, right? Of mm-hmm. this is how I feel. This is what I'm going through. This is who I, this is the truth I know. 
And I'm going to reiterate how I feel with that truth. And it may not change, but I'm going to do it anyway. And Lord, I still feel this way. And here's more truth. And so as we keep going on in a minute, you're going to see this bouncing back and forth with David, right. where it's like one verse, you're going to be like, oh, he solved it. He's fixed it. He, right. he, you know, he's got the answer. And then you're going to be like, oh, wait, nope, next verse. He's he's <laughs> down again. Yeah. It's not as easy. And if you've ever battled depression, you know this. It's not as easy as, as here's how I feel. Oh, here's the answer. Depression over. Right. It is this battle mm. back and for, forth. This this tug of war, this to and fro that mm. that comes, and David lays this out. He says in verse six, "And my God, my soul is cast down within me; therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mazar." He is depressed, but he remembers who God is. Mm. He remembers the times that God has been for him in the past. He we have to remember what. God has done for us what God has said in his word recalls the recall the stories of how God has been faithful for other church members and other believers but that doesn't mean the depression just ends mm. right verse 6 he says my soul is cast down but i remember you mm. it's like oh okay well fixed yeah. nope verse 7 deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls and all your breakers and your waves have gone over me now mm. he's back to saying life is a terrible storm Right. Problems are coming at me in waves. Hmm. It, it's just crashing over me. And it's like I come up and I get a breath for a second and then crashing over me again. And so just because he's remembering the Lord and he's praising the Lord doesn't mean that it just all goes away. Right. Right. This back and forth here. Here he's remembering the Lord. Then the next minute he's like, man, life is a terrible storm. Hmm. And then verse eight. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God uh, of my life. Well, okay, it must be solved again. There, mm. you know, it's, it, it, there it is. And then he comes back in verse nine and he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Yeah. Right? So he's like, the song of your love is with me at night. Very next verse, God, why have you forgotten me? <laughs> like I'm singing to you in the middle of the night. How come right. I st I'm still depressed? It's this back and forth. Um, and it's important for us to realize this has been the way depression has been from the beginning. Yes. David, thousands of years ago, is experiencing this very same thing. Mm. Um, but you hang on. You, you yeah. don't despair because you know that God is your rock. Right. Uh, verse 10, he says, As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? People are questioning David. Mm. People may question you when you're struggling. Mm -hmm. um, people are acting as if they're his enemy. They're saying that they're accusatory, mm. right? Man, if you, I, and, and I'm telling you, there are Christians still out there who think depression is somehow a sinful thing. Right. And so if you're battling depression, you got sin in your life. And that's the reason why this thing is there. Yeah. Um, I'm going to mention one more thing about that in a minute. But verse 11, he goes back to that refrain that he said in verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I love that he does end with the hope. Mm-hmm. 
but it doesn't end with a resolution. Yeah. The song doesn't end with David saying, I'm no longer depressed. I don't cry anymore. I'm not in turmoil anymore. It's all over. It ends with him saying, I am still cast down. Hmm. I am still in turmoil, but I'm going to hope in God anyway. Right. So that's the, that's the close view of each verse. Let me pan out for a minute and just say five things. One, David thirsts after God. Hmm. He goes after God. He desperately desires God like an animal finding water. Hmm. Two, he asks why. He takes his complaint to God. People think it's wrong to complain to God. It, it's not wrong to complain as long as you're taking it to God, hmm. right? There's a yeah. difference between... Um, asking questions of God and questioning God. Yeah. When, when real biblical complaining happens, God loves it because you're coming to your father who loves you with the complaint. Mm. You're saying, God, why am I going through this? Mm. Why do I not feel close to you? Why do I feel like you've forsaken me? Like what is going on? And it's David does this. David asks, why, why God? Um, and it's okay. Cast all your cares yeah. upon him for he cares for you. David has good theology. And what I mean by that is David knows the character of God. Hmm. He knows God is going to be there for him. He knows to not give up. Um, Proper theology is the bedrock on which he's standing on. Hmm. Because here's how I feel. And if I don't got good theology, my feelings will just, they'll, they'll take control. Right. And it's over. Right. But that theology of understanding who God is and that God does work all things for my good. Mm-hmm. He is sanctifying me and moving me into the image of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that good theology is so important. And, and David has that. And David preaches to himself in verse 5 and verse 11. He is saying, why, why are you downcast? Why are you in turmoil? And then he says, he doesn't say, you know, um, He's not telling us to hope in God. Mm-hmm. He's telling himself to hope in God. Yeah. He's preaching to himself. And I cannot reiterate the importance of preaching to yourself every day. Absolutely. Preaching the truth to yourself every day. And then he remembers. He remembers what it what God is like and how God will has been for him in the past and will be for him afterwards. And I, I want to end this section with an important question. I hinted at it earlier. Does David ever repent in Psalm 42? Hmm. He never says, God, I'm sorry for feeling this way. No. God, um, please forgive me for being sad. God, please forgive me for being in turmoil. Um, God, please forgive me for my soul being downcast. He never repents. No. He never seeks forgiveness for how he felt because depression isn't a sin. Hmm. Right. It's not a sin when you get depressed for circumstances and it's not a sin when you have clinical depression. Hmm. Now it can lead to sin. Right. Absolutely. Right. Like it can lead to sin. If you say to God, God, you have abandoned me and I'm done with you. Yes. Um, well, yeah, then, then yes, we we're sinning, but depression itself is not a sin. It is part of our journey, hmm. right? It's a yeah. part of, what God is doing in our life, but it itself is not a sin. And I don't think the church has done a very good job in its history of dealing with depression rightly. 
Right. And so the church has hurt a lot of people yeah. because they haven't dealt with yeah. it rightly. And that and that's why I wanted to take this section um, before your testimony, because I wanted um, I want people to know when you hear David's testimony, you're hearing a testimony that can echo King David's testimony. Mm-hmm. And um, it may be different, but depression um, is not something we need to repent of. Right. Um, it's something we battle through. Right. And we fight through. And if you're battling depression and you're struggling with depression, I want you to know it is not a sin. It's not your fault. It's not something you've done that has caused this to happen to you. Um, We just want you to know, here's what God wants us to do to to deal with it now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a result of the brokenness of this world world that sin has brought. But it's not a sin within itself. Just like when a catastrophe happens or weather, you know, uh, destroys things. Yeah, we don't say that that weather is a sin. It's it's a result of a broken world. Right. And so that's the same kind of thing. It's a result of the broken world, but but it's not a sin within itself. Absolutely, and 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 I think that's so important. Moving on, what we're going to do next, as you give your testimony, I think it's so important for us to understand that reality. Um, moving into our next section. So in in this segment, I wanted to take some time to share my personal struggles with depression and different things that have helped me in hopes that it encourages those who also struggle with it. So my depression started in my late teen years uh, when I started to feel alone, even with my friends around. I also started to doubt myself and believing the lie that I'm worthless and won't amount up to anything. But I kept this all a secret for a while because I didn't want to be a downer in the room and everyone else seemed to be fine. So I figured something's wrong with me and I just need to toughen up. There's that isolation thing, right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, really my depression, it it led me to truly hating myself and I began to struggle with cutting my arms. It was a strange relief of built up tension every time I cut. I would do it when I was deeply upset about something and couldn't stand how I felt. Did Did you, when all of that was going on, were you keeping all that secret from everybody? Yes, absolutely. Um, how do you think things would have been different if when the depression hit, you felt like you had somebody that was a safe place for you to immediately go to? Oh, it, w- it would have been a huge difference because I would have been able to call someone in that moment um, of distress or something like that and be able or just, just be able to find some help. Um, for when I was struggling, but no, I, I, I kept it all to myself instead of pouring it all out, yes. which you could like David, right? You could have yes. poured your soul all out to somebody. Yes. Um, I, I think it would have, I think it would have relieved that built up tension that I felt yeah. that caused me to cut if yeah. I was able to share it with someone. That's good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so this led me to getting on medication and seeing a counselor, which that did start to help uh, when I started to see a counselor. Cause I, I, I did share with him what I was doing. And so that, that helped a little bit. Um, and I, I, I was, this is when I started getting on medication as well, which did help a bit. Um, but it didn't, it definitely didn't make me happy all the time because that's not mm-hmm. what they're supposed to do. Right. Medication is supposed to level you out as much as possible. Right. Um, I've always been someone who takes disappointment hard and I get very down about things not going well. And I think because I struggled with self-hatred that caused me to take breakups, relationship breakups really hard mm-hmm. relationships ending would seek me into a deeper depression and the feelings of worthlessness would rise up even more because, and the reason of this is I found my identity and worth in what girls thought of me. Therefore breakups would give me a great heartache. 
But when I was around 20, my depression really got better because that was a pivotal time period in my life where I grew in my relationship with the Lord, and that was also the time I felt called in ministry. And finding purpose is truly a powerful way to help with your depression. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also around this time, I met my wife, Shelby. And so hey, can, I, can I just stop for just for a second yeah. before you mention the lovely Shelby? Um <laughs> That statement that you made, finding purpose is truly a powerful way to help with your depression. Mm -hmm. That can be true in a grand macro scale. Mm -hmm. It can be true in a, in a small micro scale every day. Yeah. What, what can give me purpose today? Yeah. Right. And, and, and for you, you know, it was this, I mean, called a ministry, mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, but what, what purpose can I find in the small thing today right. that will help me combat my depression? Absolutely. So anyway, I just thought about that before. No, that's But good. now back to the lovely Shelby. <laughs> yeah. So this is around the time that I met Shelby, and, and so things were looking really good. Uh, but then after the first year of marriage, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, things got very difficult between Shelby and I. Our marriage seemed hopeless for redemption. So as you can imagine, my depression came back full force. Right, right. Uh, you were failing again. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This was also around the time that I attempted suicide by overdosing mm -hmm. on my meds, which I also mentioned in a previous episode. Uh, so when you have struggled with depression for a while and for, when you've struggled for a while and it appears to go away, but comes back, what's strange is you want to welcome it back as an old friend. Hmm. It gives you a strange comfort and you start to believe the lies that this is what you should be feeling. It's easy to give in, but like I said earlier, it's something you have to actively fight and not give in. Well, at this point in my life, I gave in a lot. W would you say I I've counseled people? who, and I don't know if, if addiction is the right word, but they've gotten to the place where their depression is almost, um, use the word crutch, use the mm -hmm. word welcome back as an old friend, mm -hmm. where they're almost addicted to how they feel Yes, as, as being in depression, and they almost don't know how to function without Yes. And so it's just easy to keep giving in and giving in and giving in because Absolutely. that that's your norm, you know? Right. Right. It, be it becomes your comfort blanket. It becomes mm -hmm. something you fall back on. It, it can get very dangerous. And, like and that's, that's hard for people who don't battle depression on a regular basis to understand. Right. Um, but I, I have heard that from so many people in, they've said it in different ways, but it all kind of means the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it is a peculiar reality that I think people who um, have battled depression for years truly find themselves in. And I, I do, I agree with you what you just said. It can become a very dangerous thing yeah. um, to embrace it, you know? Right. Absolutely. And uh, so, but when that season was over and the Lord restored my marriage for years, I was doing a lot better. I even decided to get off medication and I seemed to be fine until this past year. Uh, this past year, I have struggled deeply with depression, and yes, I felt sad and struggled with hating myself like before, but this past year, I also struggled with being out of touch with everything. Out of touch with the Lord, my family, my friends, and my feelings. I have felt numb to so much, and I wasn't understanding why. I went back on medication. Right now, I'm on Wilbutrin for depression and Abilify to help with my mood. I've also been seeing my counselor much more consistently, which has been very helpful. And, and I, I want to just say, when, when I say out of touch, I mean that I lost my passion. With the Lord, I struggled to get excited about the things that used to excite me, like the gospel. 
I would hear songs at church that used to get me loud and clapping. As you know, I can be rather charismatic during church. And I would hear these songs, but now I would hear them and feel nothing. Hmm. I would be with my family, whom I love dearly, but I wouldn't be enjoying myself like I used to. I would get frustrated easily and, and frankly act like a jerk with a bad attitude. And that just made me feel like the worst husband and father because I couldn't understand what was wrong with me. This was truly a terrifying place for me to be in because I was honestly afraid that this was only going to get worse and I will eventually lose everything. But that this, this is what depression does. Yeah. You know what you ought to be doing, but depression becomes so heavy you just can't motivate yourself to change. You feel trapped. And, and as we just mentioned, someone who, who doesn't experience depression can't really understand this. It sounds like a cop-out, but it's a genuine struggle. Right, yeah. So things in my life were going great this past May. I finally graduated college and received my bachelor's. And instead of being hopeful of the future and thankful for, that, for what God has done in my life, I was still struggling deeply with no tangible reason. Right. That's that, you know, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? Exactly. Like, you know, why, I'm, why, am I, why am I depressed? I don't have any reason to be depressed. Exactly. I couldn't understand it. But that's depression. Everything can be going great in life and you still feel hopeless. Right. I mean, I remember even going to my doctor for a routine visit and he was asking me about my medication and was like, why do you need to be put on these medications? You, you just graduated college. I mean, you, you got some good things going for you. Why are you depressed? And I didn't have a good answer. Yeah. But I just couldn't deny what was happening to me mentally. I felt trapped. But uh, thankfully, recently, things have started to change. Uh, by the grace of God, my depression has been lifting, and I, I wanted to share what I've learned. Amen. The number one thing that has helped me, and we, we've mentioned this uh, in our previous segment, and I can't emphasize this enough, is that I began to seek the Lord wholeheartedly, even when I didn't feel like it. Like a deer panteth for the water, exactly. so my soul thirsts for you. Exactly. And, and what I mean by seeking the Lord is that I started meeting with him daily. I read his word and prayed for relief desperately. I have never prayed so much in my life, but I cried out to him daily to bring me out of my depression and into a heart of joy. And by doing that, I begin to feel more intimacy with God. We know the Lord blesses those who seek him, especially when they're struggling. Yep. And that's what's amazing is that God can use something like depression to draw you to himself. Well, you, because you began, as David did, pouring out your soul to the Lord. Yes. Instead of just wallowing in, why do I feel this way? What's wrong? You, you began taking all of those feelings, those emotions, those thoughts, and you began mm -hmm. just pouring them mm -hmm. out to God. Well, that's what a relationship looks like. Yeah. So when you do that, you feel like God's a million miles away. But when you start pouring out your heart to God, that is, that's what a relationship looks like. Yeah. And absolutely. so that intimacy and passion for the Lord will, will come from that because that's what it's supposed to look right. like. It's what David did and it's what you did. Yeah. And I, and I can't tell you how many times I would meet with the Lord, I'd read something from Scripture, I'd pray, and I would still feel nothing. Right. And I just want to say as an encouragement, keep doing it. Yep. Despite how you're feeling, even if you feel like you've just wasted 20, 30 minutes or whatever, do it again tomorrow and yep. just keep doing it because I believe the Lord is blessing you because you're seeking Him. Yep. It, you just may not feel it in that moment. Yeah. C.S. Lewis talks about that. He talks about... You know, when you don't feel like doing the right thing, do the right thing anyway, and mm -hmm. eventually you'll feel like it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <You know? laughs> absolutely. And this is just a side note. If you don't know where to start or how to study the Bible, uh, there are plenty of resources out there that could help, obviously. 
But I just want to suggest looking up the Daily Grace Company. They make awesome Bible studies for men and women that go over books of the Bible, topics in the Bible, and even some Bible character studies. They have a ton of resources on there, and it has made it easier for me to study study God's Word. So anyway, another thing that helped me is I started praying for others as well. Mm. If someone told me a prayer request, I would write it down because I knew I'd forget if I didn't write it down. And I began to pray for them, and it surprised me how much joy I began to have from doing that. It, it just gets you thinking about someone other than yourself. Yep. And you think about how much you appreciate and love that person, and it lifts your spirit. Yeah, that, that's what happens most of the time when we pray. I think most of us pray about ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think we spend most of our prayer lives praying for us. Yes. Not praising God for who he is. Right. right? So not exalting him and not praying for other people. Mm-hmm. And when you begin thinking about other people, it gets your mind off of the wallowing in your own despair, mm-hmm. which again is understandable, mm-hmm. but it gets you out of that mindset and it gets you in a different mindset, right? which can only help you, right? right. If you're, if instead of wallowing and staying in that mindset, now I'm getting in a mindset where number one, I've, I've been praising the Lord and now I'm actually praying for other people, right? getting my mind off of myself. Absolutely. And, and I think it's, when we, we've already discussed this, but I think it's important to be surrounded by a community of believers. Yeah, no question. Who you can share your struggles with. Right. Um, I mean, for example, I have my wife who is always willing to listen when I'm not doing well. I also have a brother in Christ who I meet with regularly. I have a group of men that I meet with every other week, and there I have the freedom to share when I'm struggling. I also have you, Neil, and the church body that has always supported me, and it's just so powerful to find a group of believers to help you through this right. battle. Yep. I think the most important thing to remember is never fight alone. Yep. Take advantage of every opportunity to be with people who love you. I know depression will tell you that you'll be better off alone, so just stay home, but that's not true. Yep. You need other people to help you. It's just like that analogy that we were using of the lion, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the wep- one of the greatest weapons that the pack has against the lion mm-hmm. is the pack. Yeah, absolutely. And, when, and what animals of prey do is they try to get you isolated from the pack mm-hmm. because now you don't have the rest of the protection. Right. And that's the same thing the devil wants. The right. devil wants us separated from the pack because he'll tear us up one-on-one. Yes. And it's a whole different story when we're with when we're with our pack, when we're with yes. our group, right? It's yes. a whole different story. Absolutely. And something else that has helped me is exercise. It's scientifically proven to help boost your mood and battle depression. You also don't have to do anything major. I mean, I, I simply just try to take a 30-minute walk every day. Yeah. It's not much, but it has helped me a lot. Plus, it increases my health, which is always good for your mood. Yeah, exercise releases endorphins, which literally mm-hmm. changes the chemical makeup of your body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Science, yo. Science. <laughs> which and, and this leads me to my uh, next thing is that might, it might surprise some people, but what you eat is very important, mm-hmm. too. The, imp- the importance of gut health cannot be overstated. Yep. It's like your second brain. Uh, when you load up on junk food, it affects your energy level, and the less energy, the more tired you feel, and the more tired you are, the more prone you are to feeling depressed. Yep. So I have also changed my eating habits, and it has helped a ton. Another thing that helps with depression is a heart of thankfulness. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to what we were talking about in the Psalms about remembering the Lord. Uh, when you are thankful for what you have or what the Lord has done in your life, it's easier to fight moods of depression. Yep. 
uh, just some su suggestions. Try writing down everything you're thankful for and see how long that list goes. Or uh, here's something I, I learned from one of my professors. Write down three things you are thankful for every night before you go to bed. It can be major things or small things that happen that day and see if your mood lifts a bit. Yeah, I, I um, preached a couple weeks ago and I uh, had read a scientific study about um, gratitude. They were actually literally doing scientific studies on gratitude, neurologists hmm. and psychologists. And one of the things that they found out was the gratitude center or the giving part hmm. of our brain actually shares neuro neurotransmitters with the getting part, wow. which means that the joy we get from getting yeah. actually uses the same part of the brain and accesses the, the same pleasure centers mm. as giving. Yeah. So when we sit down and we think about what we're grateful for, yeah. um, and we begin praying for other people, we begin giving for other people, mm. it literally is going to bring pleasure to us. <sighs> and so... When we're battling depression and we so bad want pleasure, right? Right. One of the weapons we have is give. Yeah. Be grateful. And when we do that, it literally is going to access pleasure centers in our brain and bring pleasure to us when we do exactly what God has told us to do in his word. Yeah. And it's also very important what we put in our mind, what we consumed yeah. our mind with, whether it's yeah. what we watch or what we read. Um, and, I, and I have to recommend a book that helped me a lot. It's called When I Don't Desire God mm -hmm. by John Piper. Yeah. The subtitle is How to Fight for Joy, because that's the real problem here. Your joy has been taken from you and yeah. replaced with depression. Right. It was just a, a very encouraging book that spoke to me. And I, I had a, when, when I had a lack of passion for the Lord and felt numb inside, yeah, it, it, it was very helpful. Yeah. And finally... If you are in the same boat I was in with with a case of depression that just won't go away, you most likely need medication. Uh, I needed it to help lift me out of the hole I was in and give myself a fighting chat fighting chance. By no means am I saying medication is the answer. Uh, no, you still have to put the work in, but it, it can increase your chances of success. I mean, it's just definitely something to discuss with your doctor. Yeah. Okay, so with all this said. If you're in a place of depression like I was, you're going to you're going to hear these things and you're going to know that they're good ideas, but you're going to struggle to want to do them. Right. That's just a fact. And if that is you, I have an encouragement for you. I know what you're going through, but if you want to find freedom, take the advice from one of the greatest brand slogans of all time. Just do it. <laughs> and at first it sounds insensitive, but Nike was onto something when they created that slogan. Their point is Whatever you're about to do won't be easy. You may not like it, and it's going to hurt. Even if you don't want to do it, just do it to better yourself. Yeah. When you are someone with depression, you have to go against your instincts to give in to it, and instead, you must fight it. This is the mentality you have to have. I have known a few people personally that have let depression completely consume them, and it has ruined their lives. Mm. So please keep fighting it. As we learned from Dr. Hunter when he was on one of our episodes, he said, motions affect our emotions, meaning if you do the motions of things you don't want to instinctively do for a period of time, your emotions can catch up with your emotions and you, you'll feel better about doing it. Yeah, no question. I always use that. Uh, I haven't thought about it in relationship to depression, but I always mm -hmm. use that for uh, marriage counseling. 
I will always say there are going to be days where you do not feel like loving your wife. Right. Or loving your husband. You won't have those emotions, right? Yeah. Those, this is my lover. I just, just, you know, (laughs) sacrifice and serve anyway. Yes. And when you sacrifice and serve anyway, what will happen is your emotions will catch up. Yes. And they'll come back. Yes. And I believe that's a, a, a wonderful discipline for all areas of our life, especially here when we're talking about depression. Yeah. You will not want to do these things. Do them anyway and let your emotions catch up. Right. It's Absolutely. Great. That's a great point. I mean, because believe me, I know how hard this is to fight. I'm not saying this will be easy, but I want to see you living a joyful and fulfilling life. And you can't do that when you give into depression. This is something I battle daily. So I'm not saying your depression will completely go away necessarily. I'm saying you, you can still find joy while struggling with depression. There is hope. You just have to put in the hard work and lean on, on the grace of God to give you the ability to do it. When you fall down, get back up. Fall down again, get back up again. And you can do this. Yeah. You're stronger than you realize. Find strength in the Lord and tell yourself through Christ's work and my effort, I can get through this and I'll fight till the end. You're going to have, you're going to have good days and bad days. Praise God when you have the good days and when you have your, your bad days, praise God anyway because he's still working in you yep. and you'll find victory again. Yep. Just never give up. Yeah, don't give up. Keep fighting and know that there are others out there fighting the same battle with you. And I think that's that's what I want us to understand about depression. It is a battle. Yes. And it's a battle that is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um some people fight the battle um that the battle's much harder to fight mm-hmm. than others yeah um some battles aren't as difficult but it is a battle right and the way to win a battle and the way to win any mental illness that we struggle with right any mm-hmm. mental health issue that we're struggling with mm-hmm. is through making sure you got the right tools for the battle Yes. Right. So whatever it is, anxiety or, uh, you know, we talked about suicide. We talk about depression. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about these mental health issues, if you're going to fight it, you got to make sure you got the right tools. Right. And and that's what we are trying to make this podcast about is yeah. just not to necessarily give you all the tools, but push you in the direction where all the tools yeah. can be found. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. this is the direction where the tools are. Go in that room. Right. And most people aren't even in the room where the tools are. Right. Most people are outside and they don't even know where the room is. And I think this podcast is not about necessarily giving you every tool, but it's giving you the key to open the door where all the tools are. Absolutely. And going in that room, going in that shed and having them there. And I hope that's what we've done here today as we've talked about depression. Um, If you will do us a favor, please like, subscribe, review, share all the things that you can do on social media to, to spread the word that this podcast is out there. We hope that this gets in the the hands and ears of people that need it and we trust in the sovereignty of God in that so um, please please do that and so on behalf of David and myself thank you for listening and we will I guess hear you next time right I guess we don't see you next time but uh, you'll hear us next time